Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Shelby. We're in a series called Insanity. Insanity is defined as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. This series is about changing our habits in order to bring God more glory with our lives. We hope you enjoy week two. Y'all, I'm glad that each and every one of y'all are here. If you do not know, my name is Grayson. It's very nice to meet each and every one of you. Most people know me as the resident weirdo. That is true. Hello. I want to share with you a story, and I want to first warn you, don't blink. Do not blink. Do not miss out on this story. Do not miss out on the insanity of what I'm about to tell you. There once was a man. The man had two lost sons. Maybe you've heard of him. We can find him in Luke chapter 15. The story in most Bibles goes under a different name, and I'm not going to call it by that name. And you'll see why very soon. It's the story of a man with two lost sons. A man who is great and is powerful who is loving and merciful, who is greater than our minds can possibly imagine. If you have your Bibles, again, it is Luke 15, and we're going to start in verse 11. It reads, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the son got together all he had And he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he became in need. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. And against heaven, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and a celebration. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and then he is found. So they celebrated. But meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What is going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he is safe and sound. 
the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him, but answered his son. Look, but he answered his father, the son. Look, all these years I have slaved away from you. I've never disobeyed you. And never did you even give me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property on prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. God does incredible works. If I were to ask you a question, some of you would not answer in this way, and I will give you that. But for the most part, if I were to ask you, what is sin? For the most part, I would receive the answer, Sin is when you break God's rules. That's to be sure. The younger son displays that, and the older brother definitely agrees with that. The younger brother has no love for his father in his heart. He begins this story by saying to his father, I want nothing to do with you. Give me all that I am to inherit. Give me your money. Give me the property. Sell the things that are supposed to belong to me when you are dead. Because I don't want anything to deal with you and you might as well be dead to me. And he goes off to a far country. He runs away from the father and spends his life living wildly in the pursuit of happiness. And at the end of the day, what I can only assume is the end of each day, he is left alone, and not long after, he is left with nothing. He has nothing. He has no one. So look back when he comes to his senses after he is being used and abused by someone who is supposed to be providing for him. He's doing work. He remembers the goodness of his father. How many of my father's servants have food to spare, it says. And so he realizes the brokenness he is experiencing, but he also realizes what he has done and what that means. He told his father, I wish you were dead and I want nothing to do with you. So if you look back in the passage, it says he concocts this apology he prepares himself to go to the father and say, make me like one of your hired men because I know I can no longer be one of your children. 
I understand what I have done. But God, but this loving Father who does insane things, who loves each and every one of us in such a way that is insane, who loves my two-month-old daughter more than I love her. An insane kind of love. How do I know that? Because when he sees the son that told him this, who insulted him, took things that belonged to him, that he had gifted his son, instead of waiting until he comes to him to make that apology, he runs, sprints, sacrifices all, goes after his son, throws his arms around him, and loves on him. And before this son's half-cocked, fully prepped, all the way, I am so sorry, I am willing to take a lesser position. I am willing to be lesser simply to apologize. Before he even is able to get that out, the father says, bring me the robe and put it on him. The robe would have been his. It would have been the nicest one in the house. Put a ring on his finger. The ring is only meant for family members to show that he is indeed a child of this father. Put sandals on his feet. He is not one of the common folk. He is my child. And then best of all, he says the celebration of celebrations I'm going to throw because you are home because I am so excited to have my child back. The celebration of celebrations. It's talking about heaven, the perfect place, the perfection of creation without any pain, suffering, hurt, and God says, you are coming because I'm excited that you are home. But remember, I'm not calling this parable by the name that some of you may know it by. I'm calling it the parable of the two lost sons. I do that first because Jesus begins the story with a man had two sons. One breaks runs away, cares not for what God has said, but only for what he wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. But returns to his father and he celebrates. The other, the older brother, is not so thrilled about his father's compassion. Turn with me back to verse 25. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. He came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come and the father has killed the fattened calf because he has come home safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. The older brother 
sees the love and compassion that the father shows this younger brother who does obvious sin and then does something far more dangerous. Look at his heart. Look at what he's saying. Realize that he is just as guilty of sin as his brother. Remember, I said some of you would define sin as breaking God's rule. The literal definition of the word sin comes down to this phrase, missing the mark. If that's the definition, then obviously we need to know the mark. What is it that God has set that we need to be aiming for? If God has said there is something good in our life and there is a purpose for our life, what is it? If it's not just to do good, what is it? It is to know God and to love him with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. With everything that you are, you are to be in a loving and caring relationship with a father that has made you and loves you and runs to you. But the older brother shows that that's not his heart. That is not why he stayed when his young, younger brother left. No, he stayed to prove himself. He says, he was out in the fields working. He says, I have slaves for you. And you didn't even give me a goat? And you give this brother of mine that was out with prostitutes living wildly a fattened calf? Something that would have been invaluable in our culture. We don't have any items that would be as expensive as that would be. It would feed the entire town. So the brother says, I have slaved for you, and you wouldn't even give me? Notice this. His heart was to work. But it was just to work so that he could prove himself and so that he could have a say in what happened in his father's property, in what his father did. The younger brother's sin is obvious. No one has to question it, we know. The older brother's sin is much more dangerous because he doesn't even realize it, because he is still with his father physically. But he has made decisions and what he wants in his heart is just as far away as his father, his brother, physically ran. He wanted God to recognize him for all that he had done. And when something happens, he wants to be consulted on the decision. I've done good works. I should get a say. I should get a say in my life. I should get a say in the younger brother's life. He does not deserve this. He thinks he has earned the right to play God. 
We have older brothers and younger brothers in this room. We have older brothers and younger brothers in every single church. And praise God. Praise God that they're each in there. Because just as the younger brother received a father that ran to him, when the older brother would not come into this festival of festivals, this place beyond comprehension, beauty, perfection that our body longs for on every single day, when he doesn't go in, when he decides to be prideful, the father comes out to him and pleads with him. Come inside. What's mine is already yours. But your brother is home. Celebrate that he is home. He was dead, and now he is alive. What the older brother doesn't realize is he's saying, I see death in you. Please come in and choose life. Remember the purpose that you also have. So what's the difference? Because remember, only one. That's the end of the parable. If you want to look it back, that's the end of the story. We don't know what happens. But look at this. Who is in this house? Who is in God's house? The one who said, I wish you were dead, ran away, and lived the life as he decided, but saw the brokenness, remembered the goodness of God, and then repented. Say that word with me, repented. One more time, repented. Repentance is a word that literally means to turn away from. In a moment, you have black cards on your chairs, as we did last week. We're asking you to turn away from the insanity that is this world. Turn away from the things in your life that you know are leading you away from the mark that God has set from you, from the purpose that he has put inside of your life. Because the one who repented was the one with the most obvious sin, but he recognized it. He turned away, and he ran to his father. And his father ran back. But there are some who say, I don't need to do that. I don't need it. If you feel like you fully understand the grace of God, that is a good indication that you don't. Because to say the younger brother was forgiven and brought into the kingdom of heaven would be like me telling you the serial killer accepted Christ and you'll see him in heaven. That's a hard pill to swallow, but it's all the truth because our God is good. The difference is repentance. The difference is recognizing that you have a problem and you are in need. Notice that the father doesn't point out to the older brother, no, you have messed up. 
we're led to imply, we're led to believe that he has done everything right. He's done all the works. He's checked all the boxes. But he's still in sin because his heart is not aimed where it's supposed to be. So you have these cards, and I want you to write down what's keeping you away from God. It can be anything. Anything that holds you back from running to your father and recognizing that you need him. It could be anything. It could be the hurt that you're feeling in the inside and the bitterness that you're holding towards someone. It could be anything. It could be the way that you look. I feel like I need to present myself in a way that everyone's going to respect. I need everyone to know that I am godly. So I had to present myself like I am godly. But are you willing to throw it all away, to turn from your sin, to say, God is more. I want a relationship with the one who loves me more than I want to look good, more than I want to present myself as godly. Because that is what I'm intended for. There is a God who loves you. Hear me say that a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand times again until you get sick of it. Because it's the truth. I've been an older brother and a younger brother. And unless I'm looking myself in the mirror every single day and saying, God, I need to run to you, I will lay down whatever it is that you tell me because you are what my life is meant for.